This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Let's, uh, let's don't waste any time here, Carter. Let's get on the hop, right? Uh, down to South Florida, Jacob Burke joins us, who is uh, from St. Francisville, Louisiana, started out at Southeastern Louisiana, has transferred to Miami. So the man has seen a spectrum of food in his life. And uh, Jacob, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thank you all for having me on. Appreciate it. So what's the excitement level knowing that you guys are going to host this weekend at the light in the opening round of the NCAA tournament? Oh, man, it's it's going to be exciting. Uh, we've uh, seen some great atmospheres around the light all year, and uh, we're definitely excited. You know, you, you talk all year and you work all year to uh, – First of all, just to, to make it, but more importantly, everybody wants to get that national seed and uh, play playoff baseball at their ballpark. I feel like everybody probably feels they play the best at home. I know certainly we do, and um, we're very excited. And Jacob West mentioned you transferred in from southeastern Louisiana. Is this kind of what you envisioned when you decided to go to Miami? Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'd say that's one of the, the bigger reasons that I decided to make that move is, I mean, I, I was, like I said yesterday, uh, I was tired of watching the playoffs on TV every day. You know, that's, uh, that's what every college baseball player dreams of is uh, making regionals, super regionals, and uh, making a run to Omaha. Jacob, I guess you, you can't think ahead last week in Charlotte when you're at the ACC Baseball Championship about what lies ahead, but you guys knew you had an excellent chance to be a top eight. Take me through, though, what you what you learned from playing in a pool environment to now a double elimination. We've discussed these two formats a little bit in the last week or so on this show. What do you get one way or the other as you, as you dive into that, into, into these various formats? Pool first, and then now it becomes the finality of a double elimination is pretty real, though, it feels like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you uh, you definitely want to get the first win and you want to win as much as you can because, you know, uh, you don't want to have to play with your season on the line. I, uh, I think we, uh, we got pretty fortunate. It looks like the committee really uh, had a lot of respect for the regular season that we had. We obviously didn't uh, have the performance that we really wanted to have in the tournament, but, you know, that's behind us. And, um, you know, now we're just focused on regionals. What'd you learn, Jacob, from that week in Charlotte playing, I mean, some of the best teams in the country in the ACC that you guys are going to take into the NCAA tournament? I'd say one of the biggest things that we learned is uh, you really can't take anybody for granted. You can't overlook any game. You know, we look at Mm -hmm. NC State, everybody's kind of going crazy over them not making it in, which is pretty crazy. But, uh, I mean, that's a team that beat us, and they didn't even make it uh, to the postseason, so... We know that any team that's that's still alive at this point is uh, going to be a challenge. You know, we're uh, focused on uh, Canisius on Friday, and um, you really just can't overlook anybody. Jacob, uh, this team obviously has had terrific pitching. You've been as steady as anyone at the plate for uh, for Coach Damari. Take us through kind of this season and and kind of getting back to normal, if you will, about playing college baseball for probably the first time in your career, right? Because 
I guess when you started out uh, at Southeast, you got into the COVID year right off the gate, and now you've transferred, and, and you finally got to a normal schedule, normal travel, normal protocols, I'm guessing. It's been great. You know, uh, obviously that first year, my freshman year was the COVID year, and we played, I think, 16 games and then just mm-hmm. got abruptly shut down like that. But, um, you know, uh, all, all year, really, Coach DeMar, you could tell he's been – almost surprised at times at the crowds that we've had and I think everybody just uh just got kind of it was just weird for a while with uh with nobody in the stands I know even the players I'd kind of ask them because this is my first year here I'd be like so uh this you know we we had a lot of people there today is this one of the one of the bigger crowds like how did this compare to last year (laughs) and they were saying how even last year you know not many people would be letting the stands you know I remember uh Playing at a smaller school, we were uh, really excited to go to Arizona last year to uh, play a series, and they didn't let anybody in. So, you know, I think uh, having the crowd is kind of everything, you know. Like, that's another reason, like, I wanted to come to Miami, just to play in those big atmospheres, those big games with, you know, highly ranked teams. And I feel like that's just, that's what college baseball is all about. That's what you dream of Mm. as a kid growing up. And, uh, you know, we, we feed off the crowd. and. They just, it makes it so much more fun when there's uh, people to play for in the stands and people behind your back. Well, that's a heck of a sales pitch if anyone is thinking about buying tickets to the Coral Gables Regional. I mean, not, not that you need it because the light's a fun place to watch a baseball game. But, I mean, Jacob, for you, the, the bright lights have not had any effect on you. If anything, you've been better going from southeastern Louisiana, now playing the top competition in the ACC numbers are amazing your slash line is through the roof and everything's better than it was in your first two years in college why have you not seen any dip in production you think going from a smaller school to maybe the best conference in the country well for one i've just i've received a ton of great coaching here at miami you know this is really my first year in the outfield to start with the defensive side and coach damari is a great outfield coach who's uh he got us working out there every day you know he uh we, we work on a lot of things that sometimes people don't work on. I remember uh, in the fall, I was kind of confused. I was like, what's going on? It's uh, you know, a normal day in Miami. It's sunny. It's about 90 degrees, and they start firing up the sprinklers during the middle of practice. And I'm, I'm kind of looking around, and other players are like, yep, we're about to do some diving practice. And, you know, just he's – and Coach Jamar is pretty uh, – he's pretty good with that fungo, and he can uh, make us work out there. So that's – Helped a lot, and same with uh, Coach Lopez. He's made a lot of adjustments to my swing that have helped me a lot. But I feel like for me, and just like for a lot of players on this team, you know, we just, we, like I said, we feed off that crowd, and it's just so fun playing in front of all these people. And, uh, you know, our fans are, uh, they got a lot of expectations. So, you know, you got to be ready to play each and every day. And just with all the great guys on the team around me, you know, they say you're, a product of your own environment and when you're playing with guys like Yo-Yo Morales, Don Patelli, Max Romero, you know, you you got to play up to their level or you're going to get left behind. You know, it's amazing, Jacob, there've been guys who have been incredibly successful from all parts of the country that have come to Miami to play baseball, right? To play college baseball. Uh, I don't recall one from Louisiana. I, I'm just off the top of my head curious as to how did Miami how did that become a thing for for you to to make this move well it was actually kind of funny the way it happened so um 
I think I was in the transfer portal for like a week before that, and um, our season had ended. We uh, last year we didn't we didn't make the we didn't win the conference tournament, so we didn't get a, a an automatic bid or anything. So we were done, and um, I was planning on coming to Miami with uh, one of my friends from high school on a trip. Just you know, it was uh, his sister's 21st birthday, so we came down. And uh, about two days before we left, I got an email from Jonathan Anderson, the, uh, one of the coaches over here, and he, uh, he asked me if I wanted to come on a visit and asked if I had any interest. And I said, well, actually, it's funny. I'm, uh, I'm going to be there this weekend. And I talked to a bunch of other schools, but this was the only place I got to visit. So um, I don't know. I kind of just came and fell in love with the place. And... Uh, the high school I went to was U High, and we was all we, uh, we'd always throw up the U and say it's all about the U. <laughs> so it just kind of it kind of just felt natural, and it's uh, hard to love to not love this uh, this school and this city and the Miami logo, you know. Yeah. Well, that's an awesome story, Jacob. But be honest with me: was part of you disappointed when that twenty-first birthday trip turned into more of a business trip in Miami? <laughs> <laughs> nah, we, uh, we, we still found a way to enjoy ourselves. I just came on a little quick visit. Shout out to John Anderson for taking time out of his Saturday to come show me around. And uh, it ended up working out pretty well. And it's definitely uh, one of the best decisions I've ever made. All right. Uh, a couple of things here. Have you got a favorite milkshake at the light yet? Because I know they're world famous for the milkshakes they serve. All right, well, uh, I hope Gino isn't watching this because he tells us we're uh, not really allowed to have those milkshakes. But uh, there was a high school game going on at our field one time, and I think I had left study hall and seen the lights and kind of walked over just to see what was going on. And uh, I might have had a pretty good milkshake with some Oreo cookies and a, a load of sprinkles at the bottom. They, uh, they're definitely there you go. what they hype up. <laughs> Wes, yeah, he followed it. the light you, you, to the you milkshake. You hit the right spot. Hey, dude, let me tell you, you follow the light to the milkshake. There's a lot of things going on there. Even when you go down there in February to do basketball and you find out baseball's playing, you find somebody who can go to the light to get you a milkshake to bring it back to the basketball arena. Let me tell you, that's how exactly how that show works. Uh, all right, Jacob, am I right? You're no relation to the former Miami baseball player who's one of the great long-driving champions of modern golf, Tim Burke. Is that right? No relation at all? No relation. Okay. Now, let's get to the other question. This is the Packer and Durham question that Mark always asks, but since he's in Italy, I have to ask this today. Since you've been at Miami, what's been your hardest class? Honestly, probably this, uh, this social psychology class I took. I'm actually a psychology major. I'm not really sure why, but I think it was uh, it was I think I had like the most credits towards that major or something. I wanted to do something else, but there was like a uh, 40, 60, 80 degree rule or something with me transferring in. So I, I guess I'm a psychology major now. <laughs> All right. Social psychology in your major proves to be difficult, right? Yeah, it was pretty hard this year. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All right. Hey, good luck this weekend, okay? Yes, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Jacob Burke, University of Miami. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, Wes, the what you said at the top of the... Uh, <laughs> I know, but that's why the question is so good. That's why you guys are geniuses for asking it, because you just learn so much about a person when you, when you get the answer to that question. And I think Jacob Burke, he is, you know, he's acting like psychology is really hard for him, but I think he's doing some psychology on us because I like him a whole lot more now after the honesty we heard in that answer. There you go. Exactly right. Uh, when we come back, your phone calls, 844-SAY-ACCN. And there's a story out about how college football's playoff might be headed to the other kind of football's Champions League. It's not a crazy idea. We'll get to it next on Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham, Drew Carter's here. And one day, Drew's going to start explaining his bookcase behind him because there's some fascinating elements up there. He pulled off yesterday a Syracuse hat. You may see like a Hartford Whalers teddy bear back there. There's some (laughs) other uh, pop culture items behind him. Books, of course, literary magic is back there. So we got all sorts of things back there for Drew. And over his left shoulder is a Pinehurst sign. So all the props and respect for the Pinehurst sign. Other side. Go the other <laughs> way for the Pinehurst. There we go. Pinehurst. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. So you well see, done. See, this is TV magic, um, Wes, because when, when we take the one shot, you can see that it's all just a mirage, and there's actually nothing beyond the, one, the, the two-shot frame. But that's all that matters uh-huh. is what you see in the two-shot. There we go, baby, because the bookcase – before we go to the one shot, the bookcase, it could be 20 feet this way. It could be a mile long bookcase. Yeah. Not that I've read any of these, but it's all about optics. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Well, well said, Brooke. Uh, well said, Carter. You did well there, son. Uh, all right. Let me get to a phone call here. 844 say ACCN. I know folks want to have a word here. Jeff in North Carolina gets us started. Jeff, good morning. Hi, right, good morning, guys. Hey, look. Uh, I got a, I got a question, and then I got I kind of got something I want to make a point on. My question is this: Did the ACC have representation on the basketball and lacrosse committees, or was it the same as baseball? No one. Uh, Bubba Cunningham, the athletics director at North Carolina, was on the basketball committee. No okay. representation, well, as I recall, on the men's lacrosse committee. I don't believe so. And there obviously is no representation has been stated in the last 12 hours or so about the baseball committee. Right. There and, is and representation look, for the ACC on the lacrosse committee with, with Joe Bresci, but we don't know how that Joe works. Bresci, thank you. The, the lacrosse committee yeah. is super confusing, also from North Carolina, but it's regional. It's, it's very confusing. Okay. Here's my point to you, and I was watching yesterday because I'm a high school teacher and baseball coach, and I'm out for the summer. And, Drew, you made a point yesterday about how Notre Dame got really underseated in basketball because they were told conference wins didn't matter. It was RPI and Q1 wins. Well, now you get – you look at NC State, and they had something like 14 or 15 Q1 wins and a 33 RPI, and they're left out. And you turn around and you look at East Carolina. And this is not a knock on them, 
But in this 18-game winning streak you just pointed out, they had zero Q1 wins. Everyone they beat was 80 in the RPI or higher. And so you're getting one set of right. criteria from basketball and another from baseball, and the whole process just looks corrupt. It, Jeff, here's the thing with committees, and it doesn't have to be collegiate athletic committees like these. It can be any kind of committee. It just so happens that this kind of comes into focus when these discussions and, and circumstances occur. Every committee, while structured the same in terms of personnel and membership under whatever, you know, administrative rule or whatever the, you know, protocol is, has a different personality about it. And, for instance, in the basketball tournament, for many years, you know, there was a thought that the basketball committee favored mid-majors, right? So there was the at-large bids, and sometimes the mid-majors would get a toehold on the at-large and keep a Power 5 school out of play. Uh, It was mentioned in the Mike Martin Jr. comment that sometimes you can have a committee where there's dominant personality and passive personalities. That happens too. The lacrosse committee, and, and let me say this too, the chairs of these committees only are tasked with, they're not personally, now they're the chair, so they're responsible for the chairmanship, But at the end of the day, whether it's the college football playoff, whether, Drew, it's lacrosse, basketball, baseball, snow skiing, bowling, or ballroom dancing, those committee chairs are tasked with voicing the opinion of the committee, not their own personal opinion. So, you know, for instance, give me an example. The council, the board of governors of the NCAA about 11 months ago, 11, a little less than almost a year ago, gave Mark Emmert a contract extension. Those board of governors included leaders from around the National Collegiate Athletic Association institutional membership, presidents, chancellors, whatever. Those guys were all kind of in a room and apparently voted unanimously. Well, Reports surfaced last winter that was not the case on the contract extension. And when those reports surfaced, how did the Board of Governors do it? Well, because the chairman of the Board of Governors spoke on behalf of the board, speaking of the board's majority in the contract extension. Yesterday, when Mike Buddy started talking about NC State, he said it was brutal. Mike might have let his personal opinion come in to describing the way it went down in the committee room. I'm not trying to give Mike Buddy an out card here. I know Mike Buddy's a fine guy. But the committee made the decision. There was somewhere in there a vote, yay or nay, and more yays than nays, you know, in this case of keeping NC State out. That's the unfortunate part here. You can't personally indict members of the committee because everything, at least in good faith, comes back to yes or no. That's the problem. The inconsistency of the committee can be completely criticized here. And I'm not taking, I'm not trying to give anybody, I'm, I'm mad that NC State's not in the tournament. I'm mad Notre Dame's not hosting. I'm mad there were four or five seeds in the women's basketball tournament this year out of the ACC because I thought North Carolina, Virginia Tech, um, Notre Dame all got set up in that situation. Notre Dame, um, 
I'm mad that NC State had to go play UConn and Bridgeport. I thought that was one of the great injustices of the season in all of college athletics. But the bottom line is, until the committee situation becomes a public forum, Drew, it's not going to change. When they get behind closed doors, it's like Charlie Rich once sang, when they get behind closed doors, no telling. That is the key, is transparency. And I actually feel like the hoops committee generally does a pretty good job. And I feel like if you were to put a Q score on the job every committee does, I think the hoops committee at this point would probably have the highest. Now, why is that? Because there's more scrutiny on the committee and there's more transparency in the process just because there are more eyeballs on it. I think it's the same thing with the college football playoff committee, which is obviously separate from the NCAA. But there is so much scrutiny around those two sports that the committee better do a good job or else they're going to have to answer right. questions for the rest of their lives, and that's going to be their legacy as to why did you leave Team X out and put Team Y in. I think in baseball, and to an even greater extent lacrosse, you have almost no scrutiny, and as a result, almost no transparency. And that's how you end up with Harvard in the lacrosse tournament over Notre Dame. And in baseball, that's how you right. end up with the Irish going on the road to start when they should be hosting. That's how you end up with NC State sitting at home after making it every year since 2014. And the biggest problem to me, Wes, is like you said, consistency just doesn't exist with some of these committees. You have no idea five years down the line, let alone, or one year down the line, let alone five, what the criteria will be. And if you look at the state of college athletics, that's how scheduling works. You schedule teams five, 10, maybe 20 years down the road. And you're scheduling teams for a time when you don't know what the criteria will be. Will they emphasize strength of schedule at a conference or good wins at a conference? Should you schedule difficult right. or soft at a schedule? You have no idea. And so it puts these coaches in a really tough spot. And, of course, the players have no control over it. And you end up with decisions like we saw yesterday where an NC State team that was good enough to go to Omaha is sitting at home and watching the field of 64. Yeah, and, and the scenarios that play out and, you know, I – there have been times where the basketball committee needed to have more basketball people on it, right? And there are probably times where the baseball committee needs more baseball people. The women's basketball committee had a miss this year, in my opinion, with all those five seeds as opposed to fours, which would have put them on campus to host. This particular situation right here, and Drew, you know this, some committees get caught up in a metric and live in that metric alone, and almost exclusively to determine some at-larges. Mike Buddy talked about RPI, talked about non-conference strength of schedule. It just so happened that was the metric that non-conference strength of schedule probably took NC State out. But NC State, the rest of their resume is impeccable. How in the world, and again, I'm sure the people out in Arizona at Grand Canyon are great, how in the world did Arizona – how does Grand Canyon get into college baseball tournament as a 50 in the RPI ahead of NC State? That's the one you can't get your arms around. But it happened. And at the end of the day, I don't know – I mean, you can only play the games and try and win as much as possible because every coach will say this too, Drew. At the end, it comes down to how many wins. Did you have enough wins? NC State – Yeah, I thought they had enough wins. I thought their performance last week in Charlotte solidified their spot in the NCAA tournament. But you never know what goes on behind the committee. Now, 
will there be somebody that pays the price on this? I don't know that. I think it's going to get interesting to see the scrutiny on the college baseball committee I think will be really heavy because now that committee will be scrutinized much like the basketball committee is scrutinized on the way they do things sometimes. And I think that's good for the sport. I think the it, it raises the profile of the sport in a unique way too. Just like in some ways, the misstep of not putting Notre Dame in the men's lacrosse championship, I think helped buoy the interest in that tournament this year. Now, I'm not saying they do it on purpose because they just flat make mistakes. And it happens. Yeah, you just I'd like to talk to every committee member and you know shine the bright light on them and say what mattered to you this year. What mattered? Uh, and lacrosse and baseball, I think, are good comparisons because, again, with hoops, you have so many different metrics. And you say, you know, people can get attached to one metric. Well, at least they have options, right? At least you have Ken Palm and Sagarin yeah. and, you know, BPI. And in football, you have FPI and ELO ratings and all this. In lacrosse and baseball, outside of the RPI, what do we got? You know, some subscription-based mm-hmm. websites like Lacrosse Reference and Maybe D1 Baseball has their own metrics. We can ask Aaron Fit about that later. But if the RPI is your jumping off point, you have to be consistent with it. And you can't cherry pick where you say the RPI is good or the RPI is bad. It seems like the RPI is the base for the baseball committee. And that's fine. Even though it's a flawed metric in every sport, if the RPI is going to be your base, well, then at least stick to it a little bit. Don't put in a Grand Canyon who's 50th in the RPI and plays in the WAC, or Texas Tech who's 44th in the RPI and plays in a, a good, good, good conference, granted, in the Big 12, but not the ACC. And then you look at a team like NC State who's 33 in the RPI and plays in the ACC, and you leave them out. All we ask for is consistency. If you're going to say the number one criterion this year is non-conference strength of schedule, fine. NC State is out, but we know that's not the case. And what we don't know is what NC State could have done to make it, aside from schedule tougher out of conference. But again, Wes, I mean, they have two amazing non-conference wins against East Carolina. They're four and two against the top eight in this tournament. And it just wasn't enough. And to me and pretty much everyone else, that just doesn't make any sense. Well, and here's the other thing, too. And I'll only say this to the future administrators who are going to be committee chairs. Mike Buddy, at least, was honest about it. it was brutal what happened to NC State. Okay? If you're going to be the committee chair and you're going to voice the committee, you better come armed. Because I thought Donna Woodruff, who's the athletics director at Loyola, Maryland, didn't do a great job in the men's selection show in lacrosse. I thought her, her chairmanship was defined by, well, you know, it just didn't work out. just didn't work out. <laughs> I mean – How's Notre Dame get left? <laughs> well, you know, just okay. That it didn't work out is kind of like these senators hate me. So we will uh, take a break on all this and come back. Uh, we're going to do Notepad Sands Packer. Yes, we told Drew Carter you come up with your offensive player, defensive player, surprise story, game, and disappointment. We'll see how good Carter's been putting this. Uh, list together. We'll do it next with Notepad on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham. It's a Tuesday. Drew Carter's here. 
By the way, fresh off the uh, men's lacrosse national championship game yesterday in uh, venerable East Hartford, Connecticut at uh, Pratt Whitney Stadium. Is that what it's called now? It's no longer Rensselaer Field. Is that correct? Well, Wes, it's actually both. It's Pratt and Whitney Stadium at Rensselaer Field, which seems backwards to me. How do you have a stadium at a field? Wouldn't it be a field at a stadium? So it's Pratt and Whitney Stadium at Rensselaer Field in East Hartford, Connecticut. And I know Pac likes to talk about how Uptown Charlotte is seedy in some places you don't want to be. Come up to E. Hartford, Pac-Man. After you get back from Italy, come up to East Hartford. You'll see CD, my friend. <laughs> Real Chamber of Commerce stuff there, Carter. Nice job. <laughs> uh, all right. West Hartford's great. East on Hartford. The, <laughs> on, the, on that happy note, kids, let's go to Notepad. This is the part of the program, Drew, where we highlight the best that occurred in the month of May uh, and maybe the most disappointing so let's start with best offensive player uh i'm going charlotte north for best offensive player in the month of may because i feel like we're gonna give we're gonna start to give charlotte north some flowers here in may uh i mean you talk about a career it's as good as it gets and here's carter's favorite part of charlotte north's game the eight meter slingshot good heavens Best offensive player in the month of May and best offensive player in the last three years of the ACC in any sport, I think. Uh, Charlotte North is absolutely transcendent. We talked about her a bunch yesterday. Um, don't don't want to sleep on Jamie Ortega in North Carolina because, you know, Ortega, the points leader all time in the ACC and Carolina, 22-0 national champs. Uh, but Charlotte North, you said it, West. She deserves her flowers as well. So good choice for best offensive player. I'm going to the Diamond. I am going to Carolina, and I'm choosing the first 2020 player in UNC baseball history. Give me Vance Honeycutt, especially in the month of May. This dude was ridiculous. Yeah, hitting 350-plus and slugging over 1,000. For the kids at home who don't know how slugging percentage works, that means he gets more than one base per at-bat in the month of May. This guy is a freshman. 11 home runs, including a couple absolute bombs. I think uh, our friend Danny Graves at ACC Network would call those Zilla bombs or something in those uh, in that ACC championship against NC State. Vance Honeycutt basically swinging the hammer of Thor for the month of May. He's my best offensive player. All right. I like it. How about defensive? Let's. All right. Defensive player. I'm going back to the lacrosse field. I'm going BC as well. Holly Schleicher from Boston College women's lacrosse. She's everywhere. I got the chance to call their quarterfinal game against Loyola. Holly Schleicher plays around the draw control circle. She is a starting defender. She's all over the place. She plays in transition. She is possessed out there on the lacrosse field. BC's offense is amazing. Charlotte North is amazing, but it doesn't happen without the defense. And Holly Schleicher, along with Sydney Scales, just terrorized opponents this month. Yeah. Good choice there. I'm going to stay in lacrosse for defensive player, and I know there might have been some bumps along the way. But Sunday afternoon, Charlotte Norris stood inside the eight-meter line with a shot and a chance to tie the game, and Taylor Marino stood on her head and made the save. To me, 
Taylor Marino is the defensive player of the month of May. You don't win the national championship in lacrosse without the ability to shut the door on people, and Taylor did that for sure. So congratulations to Taylor Marino as our defensive player. Biggest surprise, I know they won the championship Sunday, but I got to tell you, Carolina coming from down the line in the ladder a little bit showed me something. I wouldn't have picked the Tar Heels, quite frankly, when Tuesday began last Saturday, last week in Charlotte. I would have thought Virginia Tech would have been there. Eh, would have taken Miami, sure. Would have looked at Louisville. Carolina, I'm not sure, would have been the team, despite their success in May. So their tournament title run is my biggest surprise in the month of May. Heels are smoking. That takes us nicely into my biggest surprise. The team that North Carolina beat in the ACC championship, NC State, getting snubbed from the tournament, in addition to Notre Dame men's lacrosse getting snubbed from the tournament. Wes, you called Mark Emmert the gift that keeps on giving earlier. And I, along those same lines, want to thank the selection committees in men's lacrosse and baseball for giving us so much free content here on ACC Network. This is just cannon fodder for us because the disrespect that Notre Dame lacrosse and NC State baseball got from the committees is unbelievable. And you could argue who deserves the Rodney Dangerfield award here for who got less respect. You could go either way. Each one would be a good choice. Notre Dame and NC State should have been in there respective tournaments let's go to best story after all that negativity let's have some positivity uh millie thompson a clemson softball pitcher threw a no hitter and gave the ball to her dad this was in the postseason she needed just 49 pitches to do it she's a freshman remember she says do you know where my parents are she wanted to give the game ball to her pops and for any student athlete or anyone who's played sports at any level, really, you know how important the parents are and the yeah. role they play in making it possible to reach that stage. So I thought that was so cool. Uh, if you watch that and didn't get tears in your eyes with the sound on, um, I don't know if you have a pulse because that was amazing stuff. Well, good stuff there for sure. Uh, my story is the one of Tommy White. Start to finish, it was uh, – it was amazing stuff. I mean, from the opening weekend of the season to the three-home run night in Charlotte against Miami, uh, Tommy White was just remarkable. Uh, it's the stuff of lore, not the stuff of reality, and yet we got a couple more years of it. So congratulations, Tommy White. Breaks the freshman home run record in, uh, in college baseball. We both agree on best game. And I'm not into the hyperbole here, but I thought BC Carolina Sunday for the national title in women's lacrosse was pretty high-level stuff, Drew. I really did. I just thought this delivered on every possible level the sport could have asked for, as well as the two teams. Wes, you're not into hyperbole. You're very professional. I'm into hyperbole. I'll say it. This is the best lacrosse game I've ever seen, (laughs) considering the stakes Considering the recent history between these two, Carolina had only lost to one team in the last three years, and it was BC twice on championship weekend in the semis. Considering the players and the characters on the field, Taylor Marino between the pipes for UNC, Charlotte North shooting honor, Jamie Ortega, the ACC's all-time leading point scorer. To me, this is the best game in the history of the sport on the women's side, and it was a coronation for the sport and for North Carolina But for the sport, because it was on ESPN for the first time, ESPN 1, not 2, or the U, or ESPN News, ESPN 1, and it was in Homewood Field, which was sold out. It was an amazing coming-of-age moment for the sport, 
and a culmination of a lot of hard work that people on the field, on the sidelines, and in Bristol have put in to help this sport grow. Yeah, good stuff there for our best story. We both agree on that. Now, disappointment. My disappointment was Drew's surprise, and that's NC State being left out of the college baseball tournament yesterday by the selection committee. Clearly, the Wolfpack deserved to be there. They did everything you need to do to be in the tournament. So some accounting error, some decision-making in a closed room cost Elliott Avent another chance at a run to Omaha with a team that really, quite frankly, was trying to rewrite a little bad taste from last year. Uh, Unfortunate it didn't get to happen. Very sad for the Wolfpack fan base who does a tremendous job supporting NC State. And, uh, boy, it's a real, real missed opportunity by the NCAA Baseball Committee. And to be honest with you, the NCAA and NC State need to kind of get on the same page here in a lot of things. That organization has kind of uh, gilded the Wolfpack a little bit in a way that's not quite fair. And uh, I don't blame the NC State fan base for taking some of the stuff personal. But that's the way it goes, and that's why it's my biggest disappointment of the month of May. I think an NC State fan tweeted at us with a graphic that said, uh, no clue at all. So that's how NC State fans are feeling with some packed pride. My biggest disappointment, and this is more of a personal thing, is championship weekend was here in Hartford, East Hartford specifically, (laughs) about 10 minutes from where I live here downtown. And, uh, you know, I've called a bunch of lacrosse this year. I love it. It's my favorite sport to broadcast. And I thought maybe, you know, the worldwide leader would hook up some free tickets. That was not the case, but it was not ESPN's fault. Uh, To my understanding, it's the NCAA's fault. Like everything else that plagues college sports, it was the NCAA's fault for not giving us a block of tickets, you know, to dole out friends, family, colleagues. Uh, So instead, Marina, my lovely girlfriend and I, we purchased tickets. I footed the bill because I was basically the one dragging her to this event. We still had a great time. (laughs) Um, I didn't want to get credentialed because, you know, it was more of a personal thing for me. I didn't want to work. Uh, but I thought maybe a couple of tickets from on high and the worldwide leader would come down. Not the case, but uh, maybe next year. Hold out hope. <laughs> we got to go to break. I, I don't want to <laughs> offer any comment for fear that, that my professional position might be changed. All right, sit tight. Drew Brooks uh, produces this show and tells me we got to go to commercial break. Drew Carter tries to take the show off the rails looking for a comp. I need Dan McDonald in my life next. We'll do it. Coming up, the coach of the cards joins us on Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham, Drew Carter's in for Mark. Uh, Coming up, 9 o'clock hour, very busy. Aaron Fitt, Jenny Levy, John Shire, all coming up. Uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. We're going to close strong here in the 8th, though, because Dan McDonald, that's where you hear the U2 from, by the way. Uh, Dan McDonald joins us this morning from uh, Derby City. His team is the 12th national seed, and the Cards are going to host a regional uh, coming up and featuring uh, Southeast Missouri State and Michigan and Oregon, the 4-3 and 2s, respectively. First of all, congratulations to you and your team. I know you're excited to be hosting because I know, number one, what a great fan base you've got. And two, you play great at home, Mac. I mean, there's just no getting around it. Your team is really good at Jim Patterson. 
No, you're you're exactly right. Um, especially offensively, we just seem to swing the bats better at home. And I don't know if it's the comfort of sleeping in their own bed or the water they're drinking, but um, <laughs> it's a great accomplishment by this group. And I've always said it publicly. There's 300 Division One teams, and when you could be one of the 16 teams that the NCAA says is deserving of hosting a regional, that's not playing well in a weekend. That is, uh, that's 56 games and, and enduring all that baseball coaches and programs have to endure. This group went through a lot this year, so I'm really proud of them. Mike, you've obviously been here before. How important and why is it important to host a regional on your path to Omaha? Oh, I, you know, as I mentioned, the, just the comfort um, of being in a good routine and the resources and the facilities you have, uh, the great fan base, you know, as Wes alluded to, I mean, it's just, um, you know, we call Louisville the greatest college sports city in the country. I mean, it's the largest city in the country without a major sports franchise. So uh, this is a fun place to play and, and our kids feed off of that energy and, and excitement. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it still goes back to you got to throw strikes and make plays and get some timely hits. Um, I want to get to the I want to get down to the regional here in a minute, but I'm, I'd be remiss and I wouldn't be doing my job if we didn't talk about bigger picture stuff here. The NC State storyline, Dan, and you know this, has been dominant since noon yesterday when the bracket was announced. I know his colleagues feel awful for Elliott Avent and the Wolfpack for not getting an opportunity to be in the tournament. But I think there's some bigger picture issues here that the ACC may have to look at moving forward regarding, I mean, Aaron Fitt pointing out committee membership, things of that nature. Do we have to start looking at the dirt and the details a little bit here about how this league continues its ascent and yet doesn't quite get to push over the top into dominance here? I appreciate you bringing it up. And, and we really, you know, as coaches, sometimes it just seems very biased when, when obviously we're fighting for ourselves. It's, it's like you, we need the Aaron Pitts of the world to bring this stuff up. We, we, need, we need other people around the country. And as I said during the break, it's, you know, I've met the, I get to meet with the committee every year in the fall. These, these people love baseball. They spend a lot of time. It's just hard when you don't have a powerful voice from your league. Yeah, I don't blame other ADs fighting for their league. That's what they know. That's where their hearts are. That's where their love is. That's where their passion is. So, you know, I, we got to look in the mirror and we got to say, why have we not had an athletic director? Um, and I know it's a big commitment. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of time. So I don't ever want to dog the athletic directors that select this thing. I want to challenge what can we do? Let's get an AD from the ACC that's willing to be in that room and just fight for us because that AD should know as well as anybody. Wow. Well said. Yeah, it's been five years since the ACC's been represented on that committee when Whit Babcock from Virginia Tech was on there. But, I mean, Coach, tell us about the depth of the ACC and why you know we deserve to have 10 teams in there. We've heard Mike Martin from – Florida State talk about it. We've we've heard Scott Forbes from Carolina talk about it. Basically, unprompted the fact that they think NC State should be in. In your estimation, why do you think that they should have made it? Clearly, 
uh, you saw what they did in the ACC tournament. And I've always said, you know, I don't want to get too high on the tournament or too low, but with the depth of our league and, and like Mike Martin Jr. said, I mean, the talent, um, that's a scary offense. And you have one of the scariest hitters in all of college baseball. Uh, we saw what NC State did last year. Last year, we were really behind the eight ball. And NC State goes to Louisiana Tech and Arkansas. And Virginia goes down to South Carolina. And, I mean, we didn't have an easy path last year. And there really is no easy path to get to Omaha. But um, our league should. I mean, our, our coaches, our administrators, they need to speak up and fight. But more importantly, we need the rest of the college baseball world to just fight for us. Because um, this was a year we felt like our league took another step. And, 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 again, there's still a lot of baseball left to play, so we don't want to say we were the best league in the country, but I think we were respected uh, as the best league or one of the best, and, and we usually are, but I thought this year we did it, and we did it between the lines. The RPI showed it, um, but obviously maybe we didn't get the respect um, when it came time for certain selections, certain national seeds, certain hosts. And, and so I, I just right. I just want our league to fight. Um, I want to get back to your team and this regional and what you learned last week. And I know it's different formats, okay? I know pool and, and double elimination are two different lines of fire here. But how is your team and where are you most confident about your team going into Friday when you open regional play against SEMA? Uh, as I mentioned earlier, offensively, you know, we, we do seem to swing it very well at Jim Patterson Stadium. Um, their, their togetherness, I think they just trust each other. And and it might be a little unconventional for the rest of the world, but, you know, this is a year we've been a little more, as I say, like the Rays. You know, we uh, we have openers. We have guys that just throw get three outs or maybe one time through the lineup. We obviously have a, a star in Jared Poland. Uh, we have a star closer in Prosecchi. Um, but I just think our bullpen depth, our trust for one another, and I don't think this group will panic. You might punch us in the mouth, but I don't think this group will panic. Uh, I think they're just going to put their head down and compete and play and um, you know, hopefully come out on top. Coach, we've got a loaded show today, but this is the question I was most excited to ask anyone this morning. We <laughs> talked about Jack Harlow yesterday. Jack Harlow is a rapper from Louisville, and I, I wanted to call Wes out. There you go. Yeah, But Wes did come prepared. He knew first class by Jack Harlow. He had another song that he mentioned. I want to know, Coach, how much Jack Harlow is in your Spotify or Apple Music library? Well, uh, I'm embarrassed to say... Not a lot, um, but you have to understand, I'm around 18 to 22-year-olds who pick the music every day for BP, pregame BP, what's playing in the locker room or in the theater room. So I, I, I let them choose the music. So I, I get the latest and greatest, uh, and, and yes, that's definitely one who's a big fan. Uh, he's always throwing the, the L's up for Louisville and – um, something that our guys love to play and love to represent. So it's uh, it's good stuff. Not only is it a great sports city, but obviously we're, we're now a great music city too. 
See, Mac, that's the hook. See, that's why you and I get along, Mac, is because we're about that same age, and we know the fact. We may not know the music, but we know the kids love the music, and if they love it, that's good for us, right? Amen. Whatever works. They're the ones playing, right? I'm just I'm writing the lineup <laughs> up and making sure I don't get in their way. I, I give these kids a lot of uh, freedom, and they, they they reset the standard this year. Um, and I think they're gonna they're gonna go into the postseason with a little unique look. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to check them out. We we've been known to to do some different things with our hair uh, and our color and our style. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what this group will do. All right, no more red on red though, Mac, for the TV announcers. Okay, no more red on red, please. Okay, none, zero. Right, no more red on red. Right. I used to have nice auburn red hair as a kid, and uh, now it's becoming gray and hard and, and, you know, trying to keep it dark. All right. I'm talking about the jerseys too, Mac. Not the, not those Vanderbilt jerseys oh. again, right? We're not doing that. No. We're not doing <laughs> you know, that, right? Hey, hey we, we threw a 1-0 shutout, and it became Coach Williams' favorite jersey immediately. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. I got you. All right, Roger. I'll call Roger and tell him. Mike Cousins and Roddy Jones are doing your regional. They do not have to have that kind of trauma thrown into their lives. I'll talk to you. Come Thanks. On, Good me, luck, okay? Me. All right, guys. Thank you. All right. Dan McDonald, coach at Louisville. You seen the red on red, Drew? It'll end your career. That's all I'm telling you. It'll end your career. So... When we come back, Aaron Fit, D1 Baseball joins us. It is a fully stocked Truth and Advertising Power Hour next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham.